Slavic folklore, there is a creature who was originally a sorcerer. A sorcerer who grew to great, terrible, and legendary power, but who was afraid of only one thing, death itself. His name was Koshe, and eventually Koshe the sorcerer was forgotten in order to become Koshe the Deathless. At one point in battle, Koshe the Deathless was beaten by a princess, a warrior princess named Maria Marevna. But this story is not about that victory. This story is about what happened afterward. She defeated Koshe, but she was unable to find his soul and to kill him. So she locked him in her tower to starve forever. Prince Ivan, her husband, well, later to be her husband, promised his father that he would take care of his sisters and make sure that they marry well. They were married to sorcerers who could transform into a raven, a falcon, and an eagle, respectively. Then he went on an adventure where he met a beautiful warrior princess, the one we know and love, Maria Marevna. They married, and eventually she had to go off to war. She told him he was to watch the kingdom in her, in her absence, I'm assuming they're merged kingdoms at this point, and he could go wherever he wanted in the castle and look at every room except for the room in the tallest tower. Getting some uh, Bluebeard vibes here, but in a totally different direction. So when she left, he of course immediately went up there and found a thin, weak old man who begged for water. He was chained to the wall with twelve chains, and feeling sorry for him, Ivan gave him water. Buckets of it. When he was better, the old man mocked Ivan, Ivan for being an adventure-seeking fool who could not follow orders. He turned into Koshay the Deathless, who swore that Ivan would never see his wife again as long as the monster lived, then vanished out the window in a whirlwind. Ivan, having seen this basically Draugr, this uh, corpse return to life in the form of an old man half decomposed. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Uh, Koshay is not much of a looker. My personal thought on immortality legends is if that you can't be immortal and retain all of your youth, strength, and beauty the way the elves and Lord of the Rings do. Is it really worth living forever if you're going to be like a like a zombie-looking thing forever? I don't know. That's my thought. I'd rather do the Lord of the Rings immortality or just just pass away. Anyway, Ivan swore to save his life and search for the sorcerer for a whole year. He left with his three brother-in-laws three silver trinkets, one for each brother in their castle, so that they would know if something bad happened to him. Eventually, he found Koshay's palace in the woods, and when Koshay left, he snuck into the castle to find Maria. They rode off on Ivan's horse, but it wasn't long before they were followed by Koshay and his demon horse. The sorcerer took Maria back, and he spared Ivan this time for giving him buckets of water, but he swore he would kill Ivan if he ever came back and took the princess again. Ivan was mourning his loss when a bird, presumably one of his brother-in-laws, but it doesn't specify, approached him and said that if their positions were switched, 
Maria would never stop looking for him and trying to save him, so he must never stop looking for her. Ivan broke into the tower again and tried to take Maria again, only to quickly be caught by Cochet again, who this time followed up on his promise and cut Ivan into pieces and put those pieces into a barrel and threw that barrel into the sea. Then he took Maria away. The three silver trinkets that he had left at his brother-in-law's castles all suddenly turned black, letting them know that he was in terrible trouble. The eagle found the barrel and brought it to shore. The raven brought the waters of death, and the falcon brought the waters of life. They placed, pieced him back together, and the raven poured the water of death over him, which reformed his body into one solid piece. The falcon then covered him with the water of life, and he awakened. They warned Ivan that the water will probably not work again. It's kind of a one-time deal, so he definitely needs to plan his approach a little bit more carefully next time. He snuck in, and he discussed a plan with Maria, who they kind of together planned to find out where Cochet got his steed. He said that he won the steed from watching Baba Yaga's mares. He, of course, did not reveal this to Ivan. He revealed it to Maria, who was suddenly pretending to be so interested in her captor's long, long, long life. I'm sure this was a long story, and she had to sit for a great deal of time. Anyway, he found out that he got the horse from Baba Yaga. But you needed to cross a river of fire to get to her house. By waving his magic handkerchief, he made a bridge over the fire. Maria stole the handkerchief and delivered it and the information to her husband, Ivan, who was able to find the river of fire with a map from his birdly bros. He then made the bridge just as Cochet had said with the handkerchief. He wandered the frozen wood and saw a small bird, and he wanted to eat it, but the chick's mother begged for its life, and he spared it. As he continued on his way to Baba Yaga, he found a beehive, but the bees begged him not to eat their honey. And then the same happened with a lion cub. Now, I've never been tempted to eat a lion cub, but I've never wandered the wilderness frozen for days and days, fasting, as Ivan has. So... You know, maybe my context is a little off, I guess. Anyway, he finally found the chicken-legged hut of Baba Yaga and passed through her fence of human bones. She opened the door and welcomed him. She offered him the same deal as Cochet. If he can protect all of her mares for three days, then he can choose from her finest horses. If even I was lost, or sorry, if even one was lost, Baba Yaga would kill him. So this is an all or nothing kind of deal, guys. As soon as the witch leapt, the horses all scattered. He fell, Ivan, in despair, fell asleep, and the mother bird woke him, telling him the horses had been returned to the stable. Turns out the mother bird, the mother of the baby that Ivan had spared, had had her whole flock, they were all so protective of this baby, that this whole flock volunteered to come in and harass all of these horses, nearly pecking their eyes out until they went back to bed, which we find out from Ivan eavesdropping on Baba Yaga talking to her horses. Horses talk here. It's, it's a fairy tale. You're going to have to ride with me on this one. 
The next day, the horses, of course, immediately scattered again. This time, the lioness hoarded them all back. Same thing. They, the horses told Baba Yaga what had happened. She commanded them to scatter the next day. She doesn't want this to be a fair fight. She doesn't want it to make it easy for Ivan. She doesn't want to give away her best horse. Who does, right? So the next day, the same thing happens with the bees stinging the horses and sending them back to their their stalls at the end of the day as has happened the past three days. Lots of rule of three in this story. However, before the bees leave, the one bee that Ivan had not taken honey from told Ivan which horse was the best. So to Ivan's surprise, when he finds this stallion in the back of the stalls, it looks old and weak and starved and frail and worn out and Ivan feels pretty sorry for it. He's not buying that he wants this horse, but he definitely does want to help it escape. The horse confides in Ivan that he's normally the fastest stallion in the world, but that Baba Yaga has deliberately been starving him and making him get all weak and fragile so that he can't run away from her. Nice. So anyway, Ivan feeling bad for this horse, not sure he buys that it's the best horse ever, but I mean, it's it's a talking horse. We're already on some pretty unprecedented ground, right? Anyway, he's still skeptical, but he feels badly enough for the horse that he helps it escape anyway, and together they run away. Baba Yaga is not thrilled about this and pursues her in her mortar and pestle, which I don't know why. I mean, he fulfilled the terms of her, her deal, which usually she's pretty good with it as long as you do your half of the bargain but for whatever reason she chases them down in her mortar and pestle um but they escape over the river of fire and uh then ivan spends a few weeks nourishing the stallion back to health and together they go find maria they break in take maria up aboard the stallion and they both ran away from Koshay's fortress. So all of that to come around to the same plan that we started off with, I guess. Take the girl, run away. Naturally, as usual, Koshay pursues them, not even really phased that he killed this guy. I guess when you're immortal, other people coming back from the dead must not seem that weird. But as he grew close to Ivan and his horse with his demon horse, Ivan's horse kicked Koshay right off from his horse. Ivan and Maria then drew their swords. When the sorcerer leaped at Ivan, the horse kicked again and cracked Koshay's skull. Then Maria and Ivan cut him into pieces. His head continued to mock them with his immortality. So they burned his body and set his head adrift in a barrel where the eagle, the falcon, and the raven guarded it. Maria then took on Ivan, or not Ivan, uh, Koshay's horse, and they ran away and ruled their kingdom together happily. This is the end of the Maria Marevna story. However, it is not the end of Koshay. As I mentioned, his head was still given her sass at the end of that story. His head's still alive, which of course means that as a almighty sorcerer, so is Koshay. So we're going to dive into the next story, The Death of Koshay the Deathless. This story is told about a character who is named either Peter or a different Ivan. This is not the same Ivan, but it's a fairy tale. Nobody has last names. It's kind of like Jack and the Beanstalk, how all of, and then, you know, Tom Thumb and all of these 
classic English stories where all the characters had the same ambiguous first name. Same kind of thing with my bro Ivan here. This is a different Ivan, but still a story about Ivan and Koshay. Prince Ivan was old enough to finally seek out his bride. This time her name is Vasilisa. So he decided to go on a quest for her. On the journey, he found a man being beaten to death for a debt that he owes. And anyone who helps this man will be cursed to have Koshay the Deathless kidnap his wife. I'm assuming this is long enough after the Maria Marevna situation for Koshay to be back to full power somehow. But since Ivan doesn't have his wife yet, he feels that it's worth the risk, and he goes ahead and pays the debt to free the man. This man is named Gulat the Brave, and he knows where to find Vasilisa. And when they get to her tower, he threw a rock through her window. Then, with the right wing of the chicken they had made for dinner, he gave it to Vasilisa along with duck and goose wings. Vasilisa's a big fan of wing night, I guess. She takes on these wings and considers that a good enough exchange to run away from the castle with Bulat. And once they met up with Ivan, she immediately fell in love with him because this is that kind of story. The next morning, Vasilisa's dad not happy to have been abandoned for savory delicious wings, sent an army to get her back. Bulat beat off both scouting parties that dad sent after them, and they camped for the night, but the moment they fell asleep, Koshay the Deathless arrived and took Vasilisa in a you know, big whirlwind as he does. Koshay can take the form of a whirlwind. Sorry, I'm trying really hard not to sneeze. The two men disguised themselves as Koshay's kind of uh, his servants and shepherds, and they deliver milk to his castle, dropping Ivan's ring in one of the buckets of milk. When Vasilisa was straining the milk, she found Ivan's ring and realized that they were on their way to rescue her. To be free of their curse of Koshay, they need to kill him by finding out where his soul is hidden and destroying it. Vasilisa, like Maria Marevna, maybe she heard the Maria Marevna story and took advice from that, I don't know, decided to act super happy when Koshay returned at the end of the day, saying that she was worried that he had been killed by beasts. He called her an idiot, because he's super charming like that, and told her that his death was hidden in a broomstick. By his death, we assume he means his soul. So, she decorated the broomstick in the corner, saying it was much too plain to hold something as glorious as the soul of Koshay the Deathless. He laughed at her, and uh, again said that his soul was hidden in a nearby goat instead. So, she washed and groomed the goat so that when Koshay came home the next day, he laughed at her again and said that his death was actually hidden far away. In the sea, there is an island. And on the island, there was an oak, and under the oak tree, a chest is buried. In that chest is a hare, in the hare is a duck, in the duck is an egg, and in that egg is a needle that contains his soul. It's a real, real complicated plan here. I don't know why you would have all your layers so close together, but once you find that island, you're pretty much golden. I don't know. Anyway. <sighs> Vasilisa is able to sneak this information to Bulat and Ivan, and they immediately ride to the coast. Along the way, much like the previous Prince Ivan, they are starving Marvin. 
they have to fast because there's no food in sight. And when they hunt for food, all of the animals they find beg for their lives in a way that is so pitiful that they spare them anyway, being a dog, an eagle, and a lobster. Weirdly. The minute I hear a talking lobster, I'm going to be giving up my quest and committing myself. But for Ivan and Bulat, this is apparently just fine. Don't worry, it's fine. So the animals, the dog, the eagle, and the lobster, swear to help the men if they let them go, and so they went hungry. They find a fisherman who gives them a ride to the island. I don't know what kind of weird fisherman you say, hey sir, can I just hitch a ride to the island where Koshe the Deathless keeps his heart, and the fisherman's like, yeah, sure, bro, that's fine. But that's apparently what happened here. So they take this boat, and they go to the island where Bulat this is crazy, grabs a hold of the oak tree in the middle and just kind of rips it out of the ground with his bare hands because that's the kind of man he is. Holy Moses, that's crazy. Anyway, under the tree, they find the aforementioned chest. When they broke it, a hen ran out of the chest, or sorry, a hare ran out of the chest and ran out of sight. And they think that their whole plan has been foiled, but the dog that they spared earlier caught the hare for them must be a Newfoundland because this good boy has had to swim a really long way to get to this island. But either way, he catches the hare, gives it back to the men. The men then open the rabbit only for the duck inside of it to fly away and be caught by their winged friend, the eagle. Then the duck laid an egg and the egg rolled into the sea where the lobster retrieved it. So again, just like the last version, every animal they spared has come to help them and you know brought something to the plate for all of this they then went back to Koshe's palace where they smashed the egg on his forehead breaking the needle inside and he died they all went back to Prince Ivan's kingdom only for Bulat to totally lose his mind he killed Ivan's beloved dog and horse and then eventually his favorite cow Ivan can no longer look the other way so he ordered that Bulat be hung Bulat confesses if he's going to die anyway, he's going to tell Ivan the truth about what happened and that Koshe's sister had visited him and told him that Vasilisa would be killed by Ivan's favorite dog and that Ivan himself would be killed by either his favorite horse or his favorite cow, which is why Bulat killed the animals in question. If Bulat warned him that he would be petrified, then that happened. After years of Ivan visiting the statue... Eventually, it tells them that if they sacrifice their children, Bulat would return. They do that, and then he tells him that the kids are safely in bed, and then they throw a feast for Bulat. Good gracious. I think this is kind of like if you've ever read the original uh, Sleeping Beauty, how there's this weird epilogue about her mother-in-law being a cannibalistic ogre, and it really has nothing to do with what we think of as the Sleeping Beauty tail, I kind of see this last bit with Bula as like that, this kind of last ending chapter just to draw the story out a little longer that doesn't really relate to anything much that happened before it, but I don't know, it just doesn't seem to fit the rest of it for me. Part of what's interesting about the story of Koshe the Deathless is a lot of people theorize that J.K. Rowling kind of had this story of a sorcerer, a powerful sorcerer that stores bits of his soul inside other objects away from his body in order to maintain his immortality as kind of her inspiration for Voldemort, 
which is possible. She doesn't cite that as an inspiration. I don't think Rowling is on record as saying Cochet the Deathless inspired Voldemort, but there is a lot of connection there. One connection I haven't seen anyone make is um, it kind of has some resemblance to Sauron as well from the Lord of the Rings series in that he attaches part of himself, his malicious intent, his soul, if you will, to the ring. And uh, so I think, think there could be a connection there. We do know that Tolkien did a lot of research into legendary folklore in the same way that he did research into foreign languages in order to create his worlds. And so I think there may have been some slight influence of Koshe the Deathless on the Lord of the Rings series as well. But again, there is no site sourced saying that he deliberately, you know, kind of took from that influence. I just know that he took a lot of folkloric influences, such as the story of North mythology and stuff like that, into account when building his world. So I wouldn't be too surprised to find out that Tolkien took some inspiration from this story along with J.K. Rowling. Now, those of you familiar with Koshe the Deathless may be thinking that my version of two of his tales were a little bit different than what you're used to, and I'm gonna say, yeah, absolutely, you're right, and that's because there are, like, hundreds of stories of Koshe the Deathless and hundreds of different versions of those stories. It's an incredibly old tale, and with the older tales, we see a lot of variation. So just because my version is different doesn't mean that it's not still the same character. He's kind of like Baba Yaga in that he pops in and out of tons and tons of stories and folklore from all over the Slavic regions of you know, Eastern Europe and Asia at the time. So there are a lot of different stories about Koshe. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll enjoy listening as we continue with spooky season. Sorry again if I seemed a little unfocused today. I took some allergy medicine, which always makes me pretty tired, and I'm I'm fighting those allergies pretty hard. So thank you for your patience. I know it's a little difficult for me to focus through this. It should be over in a couple weeks. So thank you again, and have a wonderful weekend. Mm-hmm.